0: Welcome to the Cook Center Podcast, and here's your host.
1: When one is making a first trip into the Palouse Country, it might be easy to ask out loud, Where is everybody? Especially if you come from an urban region. And out here in the rolling wheatland, it's different. The air's sweet, you can hear the birds' song, and the natural process includes all four seasons with gusto. You find Washington State University on a collection of hills. Adjacent to the town of Pullman, and in the eyes of an old alumnus, it is still a happy find for one who came from afar and who stayed long
0: enough to have a life shape. Michael Preston. Game week, it's finally a game week. And if Keith Jackson will get you pumped up to make the drive to Pullman, I don't know what will, because it's not going to be me. <laughs> Welcome to the Cougs and our Greg Rockonch from 406MT Sports going to join us here in a little bit to talk about the Montana State Bobcats, the opponent that Washington State will open up their season against this Saturday, once again, in Pullman. The start of five straight weekends in Pullman. And we discussed before whether this is a good or a bad thing or... You know, uh, does it favor the Cougs winning more this season? Does it not favor them more winning this season? And I think the answer to that is, I just, I have no friggin' idea. Because, I mean, I I think that's the right answer, right? Because you do get Montana State, a game you should win, and we'll discuss that in a little bit. Boise State, a very good non-conference opponent. You get Oregon State, who looked horrible against Colorado State last week. Nevada, again, the week after that. And then at home, against USC, one of the best teams in the country. So it's not, you know... In theory, you have three games you definitely should win. One game you should win. I you know, if, you know, if we're counting an over 50% chance of saying, yes, you should win it. You know, yes, WSU should win that football game. And then another one you don't really have a great chance in. Because USC is just so supremely talented everywhere, it's hard to compete with them at any time. So, I think... I I think, you know, it it just, it's, it's kind of a, yeah, yeah, whatever. Because if you go on and you look through the season, WSU's actually not away from home longer than two weeks at any point in the season, despite the fact that they have their first five games at home. So only two of their final seven are at home. They go away to Oregon, Cal on a Friday night, and then they're back in Pullman for Colorado, then away to Arizona, then right back to Pullman for Stanford, then to Utah, and then they get a week off before the Apple Cup. So it actually set up decently on the back half of that schedule. And really, like I've said before, you're going to find out more about this football team, I think, once we get into October. Because that's really when the slog of the season starts, and in terms of travel, the more difficult part of your schedule starts. You have to go right from playing USC on a Friday night. You do get an extra day to prep, but you have to go into Eugene to play Oregon. They are rebuilding, but Probably going to at least be, I think, a little bit better this season and for no other reason than the presence of Jim Levitt down there. You get Cal on the road. Again, that, that should be a very easy win for you. And then you come home against Colorado, and then you come and you get Stanford at home as well. So you get two of your harder games in the last half of the season at home. But it's going to be very hard to get through these five games unscathed, whether it's Boise State that jumps up and gets you And, you know, we've discussed here and on the site before, Nevada's that trap game for me. Nevada's a big trap game because you're looking at a short week the next week against USC, against a team that could still be ranked in the top five by the time they roll into Pullman. You're looking ahead of yourself to a, a, a big opponent coming in. And Nevada, you know, obviously a team that beat WSU a few years ago. WSU was a different team then, but... Still you know it, it still beat WSU just like Montana State almost beat WSU in 2010. obviously a very different situation for both schools then but it's that trap game it's that it's that game you're kind of you know you want to be careful you don't look past you don't look to the future less than a week away after that game. So I think where you really find out what this team is going to be is in October. And it sucks to say that you're going to have to wait a month to really find out what this team is. But when you get to open five five straight at home, you get to relax in your own bed for a month and play football games at home, it's kind of hard to figure out what the team will be, who you really are. And it'll be fascinating to find out, once we get into October, uh, what this team really is. You play three of five on the road, and you got to go to Oregon, Cal, and Arizona. So arguably your easier games on the road, your harder games at home, although Stanford is at the beginning of November, but still. So it, it'll it'll be interesting to find out what this team really is. But again, that Nevada game, a trap. I mean, and even, you know, let's get right into it. Season opener against a Big Sky team. <laughs> Hasn't gone well the last couple of seasons, has it? I, I, it doesn't, you know, we'll hear Greg talk about in a little bit that Montana State's in a rebuild. That... Not only does, you know, yeah, Montana State, you know, is not a very good team. And not only that, they have an arguably a bigger game to look forward to the week after against South Dakota State, one of the best teams in the FCS. So there's a chance they could be looking ahead too. But here's what always worries me. Eastern was able to just attack you last year because they knew they had the weapons to beat you. Portland State... Surprised the hell out of you on a really terrible weather weekend. And you looked past them. Coming off a 3-9 and season. I would hope, by this point, that no one on that team, coaches, players, hell, equipment, staff, I don't care who, looks past anybody. I know we said that about the Nevada game earlier, but I would really and sincerely hope, especially at this point... That you don't look past anyone. I don't care if it's Montana State. I don't care if it's Nevada. I don't care who it is. You don't look past anyone. Nobody. Because that is a really great way to get this game to come up and bite you in the butt again. And Montana State has a running quarterback. A thing WSU has not dealt with well in in the past. Jeff Choate, their head coach, coached at WSU for a year. You got to know, you got to think he's motivated to beat WSU. I mean, all coaches are motivated to win games, but against a team he used to coach for, you got to think he's motivated to do that, right? And if Montana State's still in full rebuild mode, and they're still trying to turn their program around, the thing that always scares me about FCS versus FBS teams is the FCS teams have absolutely nothing to lose. You have absolutely nothing to lose if you play a game against an FBS team. Because, fine, you put that... You know, you lose, you put that in the last column, fine. You can still do fine in the FCS playoffs and it doesn't affect your regular season that much. At all, if at all. There is everything to lose for an FBS team. So you come out, you play tight, you play worried. And the FCS team, again, with nothing to worry about, they'll throw the book at you. We'll reach all the way into the back of a playbook for with a play we practiced once. And it's got like a flea flicker and a Statue of Liberty and 14 laterals. They'll do it because it doesn't matter to them. Because just having a shot is good enough, let alone winning the football game. So they will throw the book at you. They will just open up the playbook and throw whatever they want at you because, again, they have nothing to lose. Montana State doesn't lose a thing by losing this football game on Saturday. And I know a lot of this is coming from a place of letting the last two years affect my judgment and the pessimism leaking in And all that good jazz. But if there isn't at least a little part of you. A little tiny, teeny, tiny part of you. Worried about losing to an FCS team for a third year in a row. I don't know, man. Then you're just an eternal optimist. And I wish I could be more like you. But I can't. Because. this. Although the game doesn't scare me. It scares me a little bit. (laughs) It scares just just a teeny, tiny bit. Because Montana State is is certainly not as good as Eastern was last year. Eastern legitimately could have won a couple of Pac-12 games. I mean, they, they kind of did by, they did win one, kind of. But that's not an excuse for losing that football game. You still need to beat them and beat them handily. The rain, the cold, whatever against Portland State, I don't care about that. You still need to win that football game. But in year six of Mike Leach's tenure at WSU, these games should be a cakewalk. I don't care if it's the opener. I don't care if you, you do what the SEC does and you play one of these games the week before your rivalry. I, I really don't care. Hell, I'd rather do it that way when, you're all, when the wheels are all greased up and you're ready to go. I'd, I'd rather play it that week. I'd rather play the gimme game the week before the Apple Cup. Actually, now that I'm really thinking about it, I really would rather do that. <laughs> that sounds like a much better idea. Larry Scott. Take a note, Larry. Open the schedule up the week before the rivalry game so we can play FCS teams. This is an excellent idea. I like this idea. This is a much better idea than opening with them. Although probably even more flabbergasting if you lose to them that week. You can't look past anyone. Don't do it. I admit I am... You know, I am as guilty as anyone doing that. I, you know, just in the past, you just write the FCS game off. Yeah, that's a win. They'll pick it up. Don't worry about it. But Montana State came into Martin Stadium seven years ago. Damn near won a football game. If it weren't for C.J. Mizell picking off a pass, and boy, there's a throwback, they probably do. Now, granted, that's practically a lifetime ago in college football. But they've come into Martin Stadium before and they have made things hard on Washington State. And I'm not saying this team's going to lose this football game. I think Wazoo will win. And should win running away with it. But if there is not in the back of your mind, if there's not just that teeny tiny little voice that says, they could lose this game. They could lose. Then again, you have a way more positive outlook on life than I do, and I compliment you to the utmost. It makes me nervous, I admit it. I hope the players don't make them nervous, don't make the coaches nervous. Of course, they handle pressure a lot better than I do. I usually just curl up into a little ball, fetal position. Usually how I handle it, very effective that way. <laughs> Greg Rockach coming up next we're going to talk about the Montana State Bobcats their mobile quarterback their defense in rebuild mode right now but again a team motivated to come into Pullman uh, and get a win uh, especially if they spent last season on the Palouse lost to the Vandals by I believe a point or two so uh, it'll be interesting to see them roll into Pullman on Saturday but he's coming up next <laughs> here on the Coop Center Hour. We're joined now by a man who has a name more difficult, I think, to pronounce than anybody on this show. It's Greg Rockoch. I got that right, didn't I, Greg? You did. Oh, no. yeah. Okay, the interview's over. No, we're good. <laughs> From 406mtsports.com. I like to end on a, on a on a high note. I like to end on a high note there uh, when I when I get a name like that right. So uh, you can find Greg's work covering Montana State football again at 406mtsports.com. They do a lot of good work covering uh, the FCS Bobcats there. Uh, Greg, first thing I want to start out with here is um, MSU struggled uh, a lot last year, finished 4-7, and did win their last two, including uh, their annual game against the Montana Grizzlies. Uh, If you had to compare where they were at the same time last year in terms of just how they look in practice, uh, better or worse than the 2016 version of this team?
1: Well, you know, I think... This is one of the more interesting uh, subplots of the season, I think. Um, I think they look better. I mean, they're certainly bigger and stronger um, after you know, you know, they're about the 18 months into, into Jeff Choate's tenure there at MSU, mm-hmm. and so they're bigger and stronger. They're a year wiser at quarterback, uh, which is which is very key. And you know, they seem deeper and, and, and bigger and better, you know, in the the line areas, offensive and defensive lines. This could still be a four and seventeen, mm-hmm. uh, just based on their on their schedule. You know, um, after the game against Washington State, they come home for their for their uh, home home opener under the lights against South Dakota State, which is certainly an FCS title contender, um, mm-hmm. the number four ranked team in the nation. And then after a bye week, they travel to North Dakota, which is ranked number eight. They're the defending Big Sky Conference champions. Uh, they have games against really up-and-coming Weaver State team, they travel to Northern Arizona, and then of course you know the season finale against Montana, which is a team that missed the playoffs last year and uh, is under a lot of pressure to tone for that. So the schedule really in my mind isn't conducive to a big turnaround in the, mm-hmm. the win-loss column, but certainly I think at this point in uh, Coach Choate's tenure, they're, they're bigger, better, stronger, faster, all those going out and winning a few games maybe this year that they're not expected to. So yeah. it'll,
0: be, it'll be an interesting subplot. You talked a little bit about uh, head coach Jeff Cho. WSU fans are at least kind of familiar with him. He coached in Mike Leach's first season in Pullman. He also coached at the University of Washington for a couple of years. Do you think there's any extra motivation on his part to win this football game just because of the fact that he coached in Pullman wants to show these guys what he can do when he's a head coach, or is it just, you know, kind of another game, you know, against an FPS opponent uh, for Choate? Well, he's one of the most competitive coaches I've ever been around.
1: So I think, I don't think motivation is a problem. I don't think there's any extra motivation. I mean, certainly they would love to go in there and not only compete, but pull the upset. But, you know, I think his primary motivation is, you know, he wants to see, which players of his are gonna compete for sixty minutes and mm-hmm. keep fighting, you know, regardless of the circumstances that they're in a big in a big hole, hole which guys are, are still playing as hard as they can. Um, you know, Choad has said this week that it's a bad matchup across the board and I don't disagree. I don't think anyone disagrees. Um, you know one thing you gotta remember is that there have only been four upsets uh, of FCS teams beating ranked SBS teams. And so the, the deck is certainly stacked against, um, Chaud and the Bobcats, but you know, he, he wants to see his motivation is seeing what tests his team can pass. Primarily mm-hmm. the internal tests that they're, they're putting in like, which guys are gonna
0: are gonna fight the whole sixty minutes? Yeah, you mentioned uh, that Choate said the other day that not a great matchup for Montana State. I think you know, I'm, I mean, beyond it just being an FCS versus an FBS team, in which you know you would you know naturally assume. Uh, fewer scholarships, you know, probably less athletic guys on the FCS team, just kind of as a natural course of assumption. But is there another reason why he would think that just kind of because, you know, beyond the obvious assumptions, one would make about a matchup like this?
1: No, I mean, I think he, the way he looks at it, this is uh, Coach Leach's sixth year and by, at Washington State. And by now he's, the program is established with the guys that they want Um. The way they, they operate their systems on offense and defense, they have, uh, you know, they're deeper, as you mentioned, obviously. And um, I think, you know, when you look at the, the kind of quarterback that the Bobcats are going up against this week, uh, the handwriting's on the wall for Coach Schoed, and he's not going to come out here and sugarcoat it and, and um, you know, go public with any, you know, win-one-for-the-Gipper type Type of speeches, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure all of that is going on internally, but I think he's just being honest with the the challenge that his team faces, and he doesn't want to, you know, raise any false expectations. He knows just how tough of a matchup this is, and and um, the way his team has to perform in order to be in this game, which is um, just be very calculated. They can't turn the ball over. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're going to have to move. Games, um, all the things that that an FCS team would have to do to knock off an FBS team, you're just going to have to pretty much play mistake-free football, and uh, that was one thing that the Bobcats weren't good at last season. So um, I think I think Jeff Cho
0: just just knows what they're up against, and and um, he's not going to say otherwise. Speaking of FCS teams that played perfectly against FBS teams, WSU's lost their last two season openers to FCS teams, and including opponents, Montana State plays uh, on an almost – I know there are 14 teams in the big sky, so they don't play them every year, but they play them often enough in Portland State and Eastern Washington. Uh, You know, you you can't obviously know everything that's going on in the locker room, but there's got to be at least some of that talk behind the scenes of like, guys, this team has lost to two FCS teams. This is not as out of reach – uh, as you may think it is, at least in terms of a motivating factor for these players, right?
1: Yeah, certainly, and, and um, you know, that was one thing that, that Coach Choate mentioned yesterday during his press conference, but he did also say that, you know, much is going to be made of, of that fact, but um, he believes that that Mike Leach has his team's attention, and he knows that, you know, Washington State knows rather that, you know, a fast start is key to them accomplishing a lot of their team goals this year, and um, they can't afford to, to drop this game. You know, I, I think they have. Boy-
0: correct me if I'm wrong, but Boise State is playing week two mm-hmm. against yep. the Cougar. Yep.
1: So that you know, that's a good, that's a, that's a solid non-conference opponent. And um, but but Coach Cho doesn't um, think that Washington State is looking past Montana State. I mean, you got to remember that Washington State I think won eight in a row last year. Uh huh. Uh, and just think if they hadn't lost that game to Eastern Washington, they would have been in a in a better spot towards the end of the season.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> so every, yeah. Every every game
1: counts, you know, for for Washington State this mm-hmm. year. And um, you know, MSU, I think for for them as Cho has has said that you know they've got more important games on the schedule that are that's going to define Montana State's season. Mm-hmm. But this is a this is a just as big a game for for the Cougars, I would think, than any other game they have on their schedule, based mm-hmm. in part for the fact that they have been upset in these games in the past, but also because they
0: need it to get off to the, the kind of start that they want to get off on. Yeah. So. No Nicholas Sane, the top leading returning running back, I believe is suspended. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that uh, score in a second here. But leading rusher last year was actually the quarterback Chris Murray, who is the starter this year. He had almost 1,000 yards on the ground. How good of an athlete is this guy? Because WSU has had problems stopping running quarterbacks in the past. uh, But the one thing those other guys have had is the ability to throw the ball. And Murray only completed, our quarterbacks only completed about 46% of their passes for Montana State last season.
1: Yeah, well, to answer the first part of your question, I mean, he's an exceptional athlete. You know, when he gets out in the open field, he's a different guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, when he's improvising and when he's running, that's when he's at his best. question, as you mentioned, is can he beat anybody with his arm? He wasn't able to do that last year. And so... Um, been a problem. They, they worked diligently through the off season on his mechanics, timing, things like that and it seemed, at least in practice and, and two scrimmages, that it came together much better than it did last year. And so we'll see how that year that Chris Murray had in the program will benefit him and the offense. Because last year, you know, he came in as, as a true freshman wasn't here over the summer he, he came, you know, when the team was required to report in August Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, thrown to the wolves. He had to kind of learn on the fly, and they, there, there were a lot of growing pains. And so, uh, this year he seems a lot more polished. And, um, you know, <laughs> it'll be a challenge, obviously, going going up against a defense that uh, the Montana State coaches have pointed out led the nation, I think, in negative plays.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so. We'll see how it goes. I mean I, I think he's a he's more adept now at throwing the ball down the field, but again, against the opponent that he that he's up against, um, we'll see if you know, how many inroads they've truly made right away
0: in week one. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of open it up a little bit more, the book on the Montana State offense. I think obviously not too many WSU fans are going to be very familiar uh, with MSU and the offense they run. Uh, can you just kind of describe, you know, obviously Murray's going to run the ball a lot, so we're looking for some quarterback runs on Saturday. But what else do they do offensively uh, that uh, Washington State fans should expect from them?
1: Yeah, uh, well, it is it is kind of your typical spread offense that you're seeing in college football these days. They mm-hmm. want to run the ball. And you know they'll they'll certainly play to Murray's strength, which is his running ability. So you know you're going to see lots of read options, triple option out of shotgun. Um, you're going to see probably some unique motion, um, you know, with with the tight ends and the running backs, things like that. They they do want to get their tight ends involved, um, and they and they do want to throw the ball down the field much better this year, as I mentioned, than last year. And so. You know, you're going to see some play action out of shotgun. It's virtually all out of shotgun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to see your typical QB run plays, but also um, getting the ball out quicker, getting it down the field uh, in a more pronounced way, and using play action to, to kind of set that up. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a, a relatively rudimentary uh, description of, of what fans are going to see
0: on Saturday. <laughs> So besides Murray on the offense, uh, is there anybody that the Cougs should be on the lookout for? I mentioned uh, Nicholas Sain not going to be there uh, on Saturday. Yeah. So in terms of running back production, not too much comes back from Montana State. But is there anybody else on the offense that the Cougs on defense kind of really need to keep their eye on, eye on besides Murray? Yeah,
1: and just to follow up after that question, um, Nicholas Sain is suspended okay. he's four games, suspended. Cool, so he, he's out. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the guys you're going to want to look at is. Uh, at, at the wide receiver position are Kevin Cassis and Mitch Herbert. Um, Kevin Cassis is a uh, definite possession type receiver. Catches um, the ball over the middle, fast, quick, makes moves in the open field. Mitch Herbert is probably their most sure-handed receiver. Um, Sugar fans might uh, know him because his brother Justin is the quarterback at Oregon.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: um, there's a little connection there, I guess, but um, another guy to watch as they, as they try to get their tight ends involved is Connor Sullivan, who has really gotten uh, stronger in the offseason. He's all the way up to 250 pounds, can really run. Uh, he's a guy that, that they're going to look to try to get matchups with, I would assume, down the field. Mm-hmm. And then at running back, uh, a guy named Logan Jones is going to start, but Two of the guys that I've got circled are Troy Anderson
0: and Tyrell Burgess. Mm -hmm. They're both true freshmen. Um, uh, Troy
1: Anderson, just 18 years old, he's already 6'3", 215. Um, They originally had him slated to be a linebacker, but uh, with the Lassane suspension and some of the other injuries they've incurred at uh, running back, they moved him over to offense, and he uh, really had a good camp. Uh, Tremendous lower body strength and really um, get... Uh, down the field, runs between the tackles, pass on on the edge, uh, and then Tyrell Burgess is uh, just a scat back with breakaway speed. You might see him a little more in the kick return game, mm-hmm. but certainly a game breaker. Uh, these guys are true freshmen, as I said, so I don't quite know what to expect. But uh, you know, going into that environment as your first college game, but um, they certainly showed the ability to um, to make plays in,
0: in fall camp. Let's move more to the defensive side of the football a little bit because we haven't talked at all about it. Actually, uh, Sam linebacker Mac Bignell, leading tackler from last year, is back on the field. So I think obviously somebody uh, that we need to be concerned about defensively. If you're WSU's offense, who else do they need to be worried about over there? And how good uh, should this defense be compared to last year?
1: Well, you know they're they're kind of like the offense. They're um, a year wiser under in this system.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, I think they they know it a lot
1: better. It's it's much more familiar, so I think it should be much better. Um, guys to look at, I really like the safety combination of Bryson McCabe and JoJo Henderson. Um, you know, Bryson McCabe, he's a senior. He loves the game. He's going to go out and leave it all on the field. A hard hitter, um, somebody to definitely watch back there. And then uh, JoJo Henderson is a transfer from no college in utah is a, a jc transfer mm-hmm. uh, athlete, uh big and range he moves well can make plays down the field on defense and affect the passing game so i'd say uh those are two of the two of the guys that circle especially especially with the way the um the cougars you know like to throw the
0: football mm-hmm. you know, with Luke Falcon.
1: and i'd imagine those guys are going to be heavily involved
0: this so, is um, i'm sorry go ahead no, no, go, go for it. I'm, 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 I'm excellent at interrupting people, and I, I don't edit these things because I'm too real for that, Greg. I'm, I'm too real. I'm okay. too real. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I just a couple more questions, and we'll let you go here. Uh, do we think there are any nerves on this team playing in front of a national TV audience? I know a lot of Montana State games are obviously broadcast regionally. Uh, on Root Sports I think a a couple locally uh, in Bozeman as well but are are there any nerves on this team playing you know it is FS1 I you know probably not too many terribly eyeball not not terribly too many I'm screwing that up not too many eyeballs uh, on the game with other marquee games on the slate for Saturday but it is nationally broadcast on a channel you can find pretty easily are there any nerves on this team at all you think playing in front of what will probably be their biggest TV audience of the year?
1: Yeah, I, I would say there would certainly be some pregame nerves. Um, you know, they, it seems like Montana State, Big Sky Conference teams, don't get this kind of exposure very often. So, and, and, you know, with it being the season opener and, and uh, taking into account all those emotions, um, yeah, I, I would say before, you know beforehand there's going to be a lot of a lot, some jitters. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing the coaches have said is that once the game starts, You know, it's just football, and guys tend to settle in, and so that you know they're really looking at that to kind of kind of make shape for the You know, this is a team that doesn't have anything to lose. I think they're going to be fired up.
0: Mm -hmm. This is a
1: Jeff Choate said this is as tough an opener as he's ever been a part of. So, um, might as well go in there and throw it all out on the field and and see what happens. I think if, if they can play loose and relax that can only help them so I'm sure that'll be part
0: of the message this week one final question uh give me a prediction for Saturday just how you think it's going to go final score uh you know again this is a lot of WSU fans are jittery and nervous about it, given the last couple of years but uh what do you think happens uh on Saturday in Pullman
1: well I just comparing the programs uh, and, and where they are right now, I, I don't think Washington State has too much to worry about. Bobcats are still trying to build under Choke. They're still quite young at several positions. You know, they're 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 going to be trotting out a true freshman at corner um, on Saturday. So how, how that's going to bode, I don't know. Probably not well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I would I would think Washington State wins comfortably. I'm I'm kind of Thinking along the lines of forty nine seventeen, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I would expect Washington State to do what they're they're coming out to do, which is get their season started on the right foot. And uh, I know they have very high expectations. And um, you know the Bobcats are still, for all intents and purposes, in rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it'll be a good game, you know, for both teams and what they're trying to accomplish. And um, but Washington State should. I'll have the upper hand throughout and then on the on the scoreboard at the end
0: greg Rockoch, i said it right again i think from 406 mtsports.com yes twice in a row yes that i am like a winner today in live 406 mtsports.com check out his work ahead of the game on saturday greg thanks again man all right thank you i appreciate it again to Greg Rockoch, I'm gonna get it right. 406mtsports.com if you want to check out his work on the Bobcats and I suggest that you do the best look you're going to get at them ahead of the opener. Uh, I want to talk about something else before we get to our dunderhead of the week and ask Michael anything. Uh, part of the reason why I love this week so much is this is the one weekend you get college football uninterrupted from any interference by the NFL and that also means you get a metric crap load I'm still waiting for like an official measurement on how that much that is but you get a metric crap load of football games even just on Thursday beyond just Ohio State and Indiana beyond just Tulsa and Oklahoma State which are kind of like the two you know, like I guess marquee, although the Ohio State Indiana game really is the marquee one. You get a lot of football games this Thursday. Like they, they start at four o'clock on ESPN three. Austin P at Cincinnati. Tennessee State at Georgia State. Rhode Island at Central Michigan. Sacramento State at Idaho at six o'clock. One of those times you can break out every screen you have available to yourself in the house. Put it in your rec room or wherever you got your big TV and just settle down and watch a crap load of football. It's great. It's friggin' awesome. And I love it. So many good football games. So many good football games. And not just, not just that day. Not just that day. You get Washington at Rutgers on Friday. See if the Huskies can actually, like, finish off an opponent. You get Colorado State at Colorado. That's a biggie. Huge one. Especially given how good Colorado State looked. It'd be a good ball game. Saturday, I mean, Saturday, not to say nothing for, you know, you get Florida State Alabama. I mean, I... <laughs> I'm going to stay and watch that as long as I freaking can before we go inside Martin Stadium on Saturday. That is going to be a dandy of a football game. I, 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 don't, I don't need to sell you on that one. I just use dandy. I feel even more like Keith Jackson right now. <laughs> Eastern Michigan at Tech. See if Eastern can beat Mike Leach's old team. Michigan and Florida at 1230. BYU-LSU. And then you get, and then here's the best part: you get games on Sunday. You get West Virginia and Virginia Tech. You get UCLA, Texas A and M, and then you get a game on Monday. You get Tennessee and Georgia Tech. Completely uninterrupted, unabated by anything, just college football. That's what we get. We just get college football. No interference from the NFL. No, nothing. I can enjoy it all the way into Sunday. It's glorious. It's wonderful. It's stupendous. How many more adjectives can I use for it? If I were at home, I could set up the college football command center. I have four screens I can set up in my TV room. And your head's just like going everywhere. Just everywhere. And it all rolls into a point I want to make that, again, I've said this before, I'll say it again. There is just nothing, absolutely nothing that compares to college football. There is just nothing. There's nothing that compares to the feel you get at the tailgates, the experience you get in the stadium, the passion fans have for their teams. I don't care what team it is. There is just nothing like it. The NFL, yeah, yeah, fine. I mean, I I think of their fans as more... Can't say the word, but, you know, not as polite of folks. More intense in a less amusing or... uh, Can't quite think of the word, but a less redeeming way. You get college football. And I get that the play is not as good and it's more sloppy and there are more turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. But you tune in to any game and anything can happen. I mean, really, anything can happen. That—that that, that is the beauty of college football because these kids are 18 to 22 years old. Is Nothing is set in stone. Maybe except when you play Alabama. <laughs> nothing is set in stone. But even Clemson proved that last year. It is a sport unlike any other, even with the professional ranks above it. Everything that encompasses it, the tailgates, the camaraderie, the the experience of being around people who shared four years of their life at an institution, or five years, or six years, or whatever. You don't get that in the NFL. You can't feel that intimate of a connection, and if you do... You probably got a lifted truck with twelves all over it. It's probably what you have. There's just nothing better than college football. And we're through the doldrums of the fall or of the winter, the spring, the summer, and now, even though it's still a billion frickin' degrees on the west coast, in eastern Washington, and western Washington, we're into fall. And we're into the most glorious time of the year. We're into Fat Man Touchdowns. We're into ridiculous picks. We're into 9 a.m. till 2 a.m. in the morning when Hawaii's done playing football every single Saturday. And I love it so damn much. Thunderhead of the week. Ask Michael anything. We'll wrap things up here on the Coop Center Hour. Underhead of the week time. I know uh, most folks, you know, you couldn't care less about the media being inconvenienced or, you know, what have you, or them, you know, struggling to do their job. Oh, you get to watch sports for a living. Ah, oh, it's about oh, you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you're living the dream. Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. And frankly, some of the complaints you're like, oh, the food in the press box wasn't really any good. I mean, they only had blah blah blah. You got free food, okay? You got free food. Don't, don't complain about it. Okay, free food. My favorite two words in the English language. Uh, but I, I, I still think there needs to be an air of professionalism with people who deal with the media on a regular basis. And uh, Jimbo Fisher, head coach for FSU, kept the media waiting, FSU or him, whoever, kept the media waiting for an hour on Tuesday. An hour for a press conference and then canceled it. An hour after it was supposed to start. Like, I, again, I, I understand the lack of empathy for the media sometimes as a guy in the media, uh, but the lack of professionalism there, and I, I just, that, that, I, I, I don't like that. It, it's, it, that that kind of irks me because these guys, this is their job. You know, despite the fact that, you know, a lot of people, oh, you get to cover sports, it's the dream, blah, blah, blah. It's still a job, there's still things about it you don't like. Like everybody's job. And sitting around for an hour waiting for a coach to show up. Ahead of, by the way, arguably the biggest matchup fathomable in college football this year. Florida State and Alabama. And we get it week one. And you're going to leave these guys and these women in a press room for an hour. No explanation. And then just cancel it. Like, come on. Nobody had a second to run down there. Nobody had time to run down there and say, hey guys, sorry, we're not doing it today. Because now you're wasting everybody's time. It shows just a lack of respect for other people's time. And I hate that, that is a huge pet peeve of mine. If you are late to something that you have arranged for me, or in this case, the school has arranged this time for you know Jimbo Fisher to take questions and then you're late and then you cancel, Ooh, ooh, you were on my list. Ooh, I do not like that. Uh Uh-uh, that is bad. Go to your press conferences, Jimbo. Trust me, you're not beating Alabama anyway. Ask Michael anything time. Ask me anything ask me whatever you dang want at donnie out west donnie Turnbaugh, what's your ideal meal while watching coup games from home this is a two-parter uh my pork shoulder recipe which i've shared before is i i adore that uh and then something to freshen up not a veggie platter but i will honestly i'll go to the store and i'll get like a little salad i just i can't do meat on cheese on bread on chips all day it just that bad news at about 3 a.m in the morning and then if you could schedule any away game for the Cougs, what team are you picking? Uh, assuming this is a place I want to travel to, since I wouldn't have much of a reason uh, to go to Oxford, Mississippi other than for this, I'd probably want to go to Old Miss. Or Vanderbilt? Always wanted to go to Nashville. Always wanted to go to Nashville. At Blank 99 blame underscore Spokane. What is the most useless talent uh, that you have? God, I am not talented in any way. Is that bad? That I don't have a useless talent. I really don't. No, I'm really good at scooping out the cat box. I'm really good at that. From our old friend at Jacob Thorpe SR, Jacob Thorpe, in the coming mascot wars, does West Virginia's mascot fare well because of his musket or perish because he's a human? Here's the thing. He does well because he lives in the West Virginia hills. He knows how to live off the country. He knows how to like go into the woods for 30 days at a time with just his musket, eat and, you know, pick pick all the other mascots off one by one he wins no, 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 he wins because of all the intangibles he has that's why he wins, he's got to bring enough musket ammo I think that's the big thing that's, de- that's definitely it we can all agree the Buckeye loses though, it's a poisonous nut just kick it into the water It's not. it's not hard, it's easy totally easy at not underscore kenna Matthew K is WSU football more known for Fireball, Popcorn Guy, or the fact that we had a real Cougar on campus in the 70s, 80s. I think the Cougar disappeared in the 70s if I'm remembering right. Uh, but we're definitely more known for the Fireball. Still, probably best known for Popcorn Guy. I mean, not not even close. I think it's probably best known for Popcorn Guy. It's got to be that, right? That, that gift gets reused all the freaking time and we still haven't identified the person I think at this point it's probably better that way though because there's an air of mystery around it we still don't know who popcorn guy could be could he be a software engineer at a company in Seattle could he be a WSU dad could he just be a guy who shovels popcorn into his mouth at sporting events around the world only time will tell and God has the answer Maybe he doesn't even have the answer. That would be interesting. Friday show, quickie show coming up for you on Friday. We'll just have that for you on SoundCloud or if you're subscribed on Stitcher, on Player FM, on iTunes, and we can also find us on Google Play as well. So those Friday shows will just be there. We'll do a prediction for the game as well coming up on Friday. In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed the full edition of Cooks and our first one this game week. We'll see you guys in Pullman on Saturday.